Good afternoon, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and it is snowing. <laughs> like, really bad. I think we received 18 inches here. And it's still coming down. I hate the snow. Um, and apparently, I guess the whole country's experiencing this. Is it me, or are we living in the film The Day After Tomorrow? Where's Jake Gyllenhaal? Alright. <laughs> Where is he at? Um, <clears throat> but yes, uh, jump into the trenches with me, because I don't have anything else to do. And I'm gonna talk about news. Alright. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, links will be down in the description below. Don't be shy to come and say hi. And as always, let's jump in headfirst with the politics. Okay, first up on politics. Yay. Okay, let's do this. Uh, where is the article? There it is. Found it. Okay. You, uh, 13 killed in U.S. counterterrorism raid in Syria. People inspect a destroyed house fo- following an operation by the U.S. military in the Syrian village of Adme in Idlib, Providence, Syria. Forgot to put my phone on vibrate. Stop! Okay. Thursday, February 3rd, 2022, U.S. Special Operations Forces conducted a large scale counter-ter- counterterrorism raid in northwestern Syria overnight Thursday in what the Pentagon said was a successful mission. Residents and activists reported uh, multiple deaths, including civilians from the attack. Uh, several people were killed in a U.S. Special Forces counterterrorism raid <clears throat> against a top ISIS leader in northwestern Syria, Pentagon. Uh, Secretary John Kirby said that there were no U.S. casualties and that it was a successful mission. Uh, The goal of the raid was to eliminate the ISIS commander Abu Ibrahim um, uh, near the Turkish border Thursday. um, Abu Ibrahim was reportedly wearing a suicide vest and um, it detonated during the raid. According to reporters, at least 13 people were killed. Local residents said helicopters hovered overhead asking women and children to leave the area on loudspeakers. Despite this, among the dead reportedly includes six children and four women. Let's see. Thursday operation appears to be the largest of its kind in U.S. forces in the region since Islamic leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi was killed in a special operations raid in 2019. While confirming the raid operated on his orders, Joe Biden said a major terrorist threat to the world was eradicated thanks to the bravery of the U.S. troops. Claimed the move was to protect the American people and the world. What you say, bro? House Freedom Caucus hearing examines uh, Biden open border policies. Let's just play the video. The House of Freedom Caucus held a hearing featuring evidence of uh, how the Biden administration's policies has resulted in an historic border crisis. Here's one America's John Hines. 
Congressman Scott Kipera, you are the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. The Freedom Caucus is having a hearing uh, here on border security. Can you share a little bit about the message, the message that you are presenting? Well, the message we're presenting is, and it's just timely because, as you probably know, Groundhog Day, Punxsutawney Phil, the greatest prognosticator, is going to predict whether we have another six weeks of winter or not. It's Groundhog Day in America every single day because our border is wide open, and the Biden administration, the left in general, Democrats in particular, refuse to acknowledge it. We're, not, we're just not going to let them get away with the fact that we are record levels of illegal immigrants coming across our border right now. And since they won't discuss it, we're going to discuss it. Very good. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So the House Freedom Caucus, yeah, they're having an independent hearing that's off, off the hill away from the congressional complex. Why is it necessary for a group like the Freedom Caucus to be having this kind of a hearing to sort of shine a spotlight on what's going on uh, on the border? Well, because we're trying to do exactly what you're saying. We're trying to put a spotlight on what's happening on the border. And they won't let us have a hearing uh, on these issues in Congress. The Democratic majority? Yeah, the Democrat majority won't let us have that hearing. And they won't let us use the hearing rooms. Um, so, for instance, I've got, I think, four hearings the rest of this week, and they're all Zoom hearings. They won't even let me in the hearing room. We want to bring people in, uh, uh, witnesses in. We want to bring members in, so we have the Freedom Caucus come in. We did one very successful a couple months ago on VAX mandates. We've got another seven or eight planned between now and the 2022 midterm elections. And this issue right now is a certainly on the minds of many, if not all, Americans is why isn't our border secure? So we want Americans to get a, a sense of what's happening, and that's why we're doing this. But that one question I wanted to ask you was, what kind of people do we know are coming in through the southern border? What sort of uh, type of apprehensions? And then, of course, are the ones that get away that nobody knows about. But what are we seeing the types of people coming in across the southern border? Well, you have representatives of 140 different countries are coming across the southern border. And you have uh, far more people uh, captured that are on the terrorist watch list than ever before. You have a lot of criminals that are coming along, violent criminals. Uh, some of them being released into the country, not because of CBP, but because of the Biden administration's policies. What did you learn from one of the witness here, witnesses here about the UN's activity with regard to migrants coming in to the southern border? Uh, the UN is using the American people's tax dollars to violate our own border sovereignty. They're using our tax dollars to coach illegal aliens on how to uh, qualify for asylum dishonestly by claiming credible fear because they're t usually economic uh, crossings is why they're coming, economic incentives, which doesn't qualify for asylum under our law. So they're coaching these uh, illegal aliens and they're trying to help them remember uh, their, their psychologically help them remember from their past uh, how they were harmed or endangered or what fear they might have from their past that would dishonestly qualify them for asylum. And may I ask you, after this hearing, uh, the uh, House Freedom Caucus, a hearing here on uh, Biden border security policies, uh, uh, Congressman, what is your takeaway from uh, this afternoon's hearing? Uh, it just solidifies what I've said many times, that never in the history of our country has our own president done more to harm America than this president has in his first year. He has essentially declared war on his own country by facilitating an illegal invasion at our border. Uh, that this is a national security issue. It's a health care issue. It's an issue for our social resources. Uh, they're coming from 160 different countries. They're coming either enslaved to the Mexican cartel or they're coming here and trafficking drugs themselves to pay for their crossing. Congressman Bob Good of Virginia, thank you very much for talking to someone American News. Thank you, thank you, John. Great to be with you. Oh, well, it doesn't surprise me that there's more drama at the border. So, you know, we've already talked about that. What kind of people are filtering in? Terrorists. just going down the line here. Let's see here. Hmm. Canadian Freedom Convoy protest continues and spreads to other cities. 
U.S. truckers are following the lead of their Canadian counterparts and plan to make their way from California to D.C. to protest COVID mandates. One America's Sam Volk has more on the demonstrations in Canada. Canada's Freedom Convoy keeps on trucking towards its final goal, causing gridlock and headache for the Canadian and provincial governments until all COVID mandates are lifted. As of Wednesday, thousands of people were still in the nation's capital, Ottawa, horns honking and traffic brought to a standstill. According to people familiar with the situation, thousands more are still coming into the city to gear up for another round of big protests this weekend. Truckers say that they will stay in town until the mandates are lifted, and they claim to have the funds to keep at it for years if needed to reach their goals. The mayor of Ottawa had a different message, however, saying it is time for the police to break up the protests because the demonstration is not for a cause he considers good, unlike Black Lives Matter. This group, group of yahoos have arrived here, no planning, uh, no thought put into it, and a complete disregard for people who live and work and uh, want to visit the nation's capital. So uh, look at, you know, as the old expression goes, you know, they've overstayed their welcome. It's time for them to move on. And ultimately, the police will take action because this thing can't go on forever. The convoy has not limited itself to Ottawa anymore either. A contingent of thousands of truckers went to the border between Alberta province and the U.S. state of Montana and blockaded the Coots border crossing. The conservative premier of Alberta, Jason Kenney, estimated over 10,000 trucks showed up to block the border crossing. We were briefed that on Saturday, approximately 10,000 trucks and other vehicles uh, began a moving convoy around the Coots border station uh, and police uh, closely monitored the situation. Uh, believing at first that it was an effort to engage in a lawful protest uh, without blocking the road. The truckers have blocked the crossing since then, and it was declared illegal soon after. Kenny then called in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police to arrest the truckers and remove their trucks from the road if they refused to move themselves. However, free Canadian citizens who owned the tow companies refused to contract with the RCMP to remove the blockade. When the police showed up, the truckers and local farmers who lent their equipment to bolster the blockade ground in a frigid blizzard, voting to stay until the mandates are lifted or they are arrested. We're here for all Albertans, Canadians. We're here fighting for the freedoms of not us, but our kids, our grandkids, the future of this province, this country. This is not something that 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 is going to for a short time. This is something we, we feel is so important that we are prepared to put everything on the line. The efforts of the protesters nationwide have already caused a stir across the politics of Canada. Since they are showing no signs of stopping until mandates are lifted, some provincial governments are standing down their mandates. Quebec Thank announced you. it was abandoning plans to tax unvaccinated citizens, although they are still locked down and banned from most businesses there. In Alberta, Premier Kenny said that his province's vaccine passport system should be ended by the end of the month. With the overall trends, I am uh, very optimistic uh, that we will be able to move forward with meaningful uh, relaxation of public health measures this month, including the elimination of the restriction exemption or proof of vaccination program. However, with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in hiding, only appearing from his secret quarantine location oh, to chastise his fellow citizens for protesting his government, the truckers are still holding the line. With their government in hiding, they are showing that for many Canadian citizens, it is still the true North, strong and free. One America News. Want to see more videos? Oh, the people of Canada, I'm so proud of you. I really am. Um, this is also one of the reasons why there's a food shortage here in uh, America, and there probably is a food shortage in Canada as well. Um, because the truckers refuse to transport the food. They, they refuse to transport anything. They refuse to... Um, you know, bow to the system until the mandates lift. And to be honest, God bless you. Seriously. 
I love people who will stand up for, you know, the wrongdoing of everything that's going on right now, especially in Canada. So, um, <clears throat> dude, keep doing what you're doing. Um, and also Trudeau, you're scared little child. You're in hiding. Okay. Yeah. Mm -mm. I have choice words, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Just know that I don't have any respect for you, dude. I think it's time for a break. Yeah. Don't judge me. Anyway, we're gonna find some fun news to talk about now. Give me a minute. So, there are two articles from this one website that I want to read. So, uh, first is Iceland, because Iceland, listen, I need you to listen to me. I love you. Um, you guys are awesome. Anyway, let's go. Okay, let's read this real quick. Where to find Iceland's most exciting new geothermal pools? From float therapy to the Blue Lagoon uh, to forest bathing in the north, Iceland's new spa experience offer a deep dive into the country's bathing culture. Um, I love you, Iceland. Please listen to me. That, that would just be such a big blessing to me if you guys started listening to me. I love you so much. I don't mean to sound obsessed, but I kind of am. Um, with Iceland being a hotbed for geothermal activity, it's no surprise that many travelers from uh, a trip around a luxuriously long soak um, in one of the country's many volcanically heated pools. After all, daily dips are a quintessential part of Icelandic life, so much so that the outdoor swimming pools, not pubs, are the main social hubs in every municipality. That's the way people bond with each other in um, Iceland. They just go to a pool or a hot spring and they just socialize. That's how they socialize. They don't even need to do anything else. Like, that's their thing. They love water. They love the hot springs. And, I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, they're basically just naturally built-in hot tubs all around Iceland. Like, that sounds like a dream come true for me. I love it. As Iceland repeatedly ranks high on the lists of happiest countries in the world, it's safe to say that there must be something in the water. As far as I know, you don't really have to buy water or pay a water bill there because of the geothermal uh, thing. I don't know what it, what it, what everything is <laughs> in uh, Iceland. I could be wrong about the whole water bill thing, but they don't have to buy bottled water. They don't have to buy, like, any bottled water from the store. They can just drink it right out of the, you know, spigot, like, out of the faucet. And that's really cool. Um, and with records of public bathing dating back to the 9th century, when settlers first discovered hot springs, it would be a sacrilege not to indulge in this natural national pastime. Yeah, um, I wish America was cultured like that. Um, to me, I feel like America has just kind of like made such a, gen a generic uh, way of 
living culture and it it's just not natural anymore it's fake it's just not real anymore I feel like uh, I know that America is a melting pot everybody has their ethnicities and their denominations and everything like that which is great I wouldn't have it any other way but the thing is is that when it comes to society as a whole in America everything is just generic um, there's not much of um, a beautiful culture here um, Everything is fake food, you know, fake everything. And I think it's just because America has become this promised land to some other foreign countries. And in order for it to, you know, become that way and be perceived that way, they have to pump out as much, you know, stigma as possible uh, for people who do want to come in and be citizens to America. And we've kind of lost our authenticity. And I hate that. I, I hate that America's lost their, you know, beautiful culture and their, you know, authenticity and their realness. Because um, when I read articles like this about, you know, Finland or, you know, Scandinavia in general, you know, and Iceland, it's, it's just so different compared to America. It's so different. And it's beautiful. It's something that I would love to have for myself um, in, in my life to have like a certain culture about me or about me and my husband, like about us, things that we do differently from, you know, the American society that we live in. But um, whether you are slipping into the milky waters of the Blue Lagoon, which is on my bucket list, I want to go there so bad. Detoxifying in the natural steam rooms in Maitvin Natural Baths, gazing at the ocean from GOC, uh, or joining the locals for a Saturday morning dip at the Infinity Edge Hofso's swimming pool, which costs tourists $8 to enter. That's not too bad, though. If we had something like that in America, it would be hiked up to at least 10 or 12. Um, you know, because of Biden and inflation. But there is no shortage of uh, tried and true options. But that doesn't mean that there isn't room for more. Recently, Reykjavik... Um, announced plans to invest in the 62 million um, upgrades to existing pools, um, including the capital's largest public pool, Lagar Dalslag, um, as well as the construction of new ones. And as more travelers look to slow down the connect uh, more deeply with the local culture and nature, the slew of new and sustainable outdoor spa experiences are paying homage to Iceland's bathing traditions and giving us a good reason to plan a pool hopping road trip in 2022. I want that so bad. That sounds like such a good trip to go on. Bathing for the mind and body. Geothermal pools have been popular in Iceland for years, but there's recently been a shift in how visitors approach their soaking sessions. This past summer, U.S. travelers spent an average of eight days in the country, a 37% increase in the average length of stay in 2019 when quick trips and Icelandier a stopover service were more popular. Yeah, there's um, a lot of people, like, there's a lot of tourism in Iceland, and um, it's probably just because, not just because of, like, the local baths, but I, it's very underpopulated compared to America, compared to a lot of other countries. So there's so much more that they can do 
you know, with themselves or by themselves or, you know, intimately. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why it's so um, popular now. Not only that, it's just such a unique landscape to, to look at and, you know, to hike and everything. There's just so much that I could say about Iceland. But when it comes to the intimacy, uh, when it comes to tourism, there there's not a lot of people um, that uh, are in Iceland. So when... Um, I say it's it's easier for people to flock there for tourism. It, it's very easy because there's not um, a lot of crowds, or as far as I know. Um, but anyway, we've noticed a different mood in Iceland, says Sig- Sigurdur Turstin Turstiensen. I'm trying. Uh, Blue Lacoon's Iceland brand strategy director. People are taking it a bit slower. A preference for longer, more international trips um, has increased interest in immersive spa um, experiences, and in the case of Blue Lagoon, more visitors are indulging in the retreat at Blue Lagoon, Iceland. Um, The business class counterpart to the property original Busier Lagoon. Every detail in the spa from the um, acoustics to the no phones rule oh god yes um, was carefully considered to help guests decompress guests visiting um, this winter can experience the spa's newest treatment float therapy which launched in December um, the in-winter treatment created by the aquatic healing experts of Flotheta was designed for or to release tension from the spine and send bathers into a meditative state. Unlike your typical sensory deprivation experience, the retreat's version pairs pairs you with floating therapist that performs personalized body work from stretches and pulls to gentle massage exfoliation and you drift through the healing waters uh, blindfolded thanks to the lagoon's high concentration of minerals, algae, and silica. The treatment is as soothing for your skin as it is for the mind. With your ears submerged, uh, the underwater sounds from the symphony that calms and even most high-strung or yeah, that calms even the most high-strung bather. Uh, by the end, you may even be convinced to do like the locals do and buy your own float set, complete with a helmet and leg floats for solo sessions. Why don't we have that? We need things like this. And... Not to mention, the water is so good there. I remember, I might be wrong. I know now they have like a mud mask packaged for the lagoon bathers, but um, I've heard that the mud at the bottom of the lagoon pool is so good for your face, you can just put it on your face because it's so good for your skin. And uh, my skin needs as much TLC as possible, so I will be going at some point. I would love to, I would love to go. (laughs) Jesus, send me there, please. (laughs) Um, A nod to traditional architecture. Um, More time in Iceland also means that travelers need not to have choose, have to choose between the um, Blue Lagoon and the newer pools like Sky Lagoon, which opened near Reykjavik in 2021. Uh, Here, contemporary design um, is interwoven with nods to Viking traditions. The breathtaking 200... What in the world was that? Okay, some... We're moving. Something fell. (laughs) Um, 
which overlooks the North Atlantic Ocean and is complemented by a traditional turf house and turf wall um, created using a centuries-old technique of stacking grassy swamp turf uh, for optional insulation or optimal uh, insulation. Even its circular cold uh, plunge pool was inspired by the design of Snorralag, uh, Iceland's oldest known natural pool. The original hewn stone basin uh, is located in the village of Reykjot, uh, where it's believed that Celebrated 13th century literary figure Snorri, Snorri Sturluson. Um, the Icelandic like to roll their R's a lot, so I'm trying very hard. Snorri Sturluson. I can't do it. They're so talented. Um, who is credited for writing the world's um, oldest accounts of Norse mythology um, bathed regularly. So the author of all of that mythology, he loves to bathe. I mean, it, it's not unheard of. Definitely not in uh, Iceland. Like that. That's just their way of relaxing. They're probably the most chill people in the world because all they do, not all they do, but like, at the end of the day and the morning, they just hop into a hot pool of boiling water and just sit there and relax. You can't tell me that they're not healthy and happy and chill as frick. We don't have anything like that in Ohio. I don't think. Yeah, no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I'd be very surprised if there was any hot springs in Ohio. And to be honest, I don't think I would trust it. Because Ohio is just... It's a nasty place. I'm sorry. Anyway, the social aspect of soaking was also heavily incorporated into the concept. Hot pots are um, designed with inward-facing seating so you can make conversation, uh, says Dagny Petrustutr. Ooh, okay. Petrustutr. So she, it's a she. Daughter. Dutr is daughter. I, I think I said that right. <laughs> so it's Petur, Petur, daughter. So Dagny Petur's daughter. Ooh. I, I sound I sound like I fit in now. <laughs> uh, no, whenever you hear Dutr, a Dutr, uh, after a last name, it just means that that's the father, that's the patriarch's daughter, the patriarch of the family's daughter. Um, if you hear, because they don't really have last names, they don't have last names very much in. Uh, Iceland. So they kind of just go, they take the father's last or the first name and they put it in as their last name or they just um, use their middle name or sometimes they just um, repeat their last name. So like Stefan Carl, uh, who, you know, God rest his soul, he used to be in Lazy Town. Um, Stefan Carl Stephenson. You know, that, that was his last name. Stefan's son, son, the, you know, patriarch, the son of the patriarch. But anyway, there you go. You have a, um, a fun fact about the names in Iceland. But uh, Sky Lagoon's managing director, uh, we wanted to push this further by having one or two staff members in the lagoon for chit-chat. That means after uh, downing and refreshing, downing a refreshing, a refreshing glass of toast. Uh, I don't know if I said that right. Uh, one of the many sparkling beverages 
uh, served at the pool bar. Uh, the staff member who collects your plastic glass might share a few insider tips. Don't be surprised if you end up staying longer than three hours. The average time spent at the Sky Lagoon tends to be double that of your typical pool, says Petrus Tutor. <laughs> um, drawing travelers beyond Reykjavik. So, um, travelers will also have a new reason for an extended sojourn, sojourn uh, in Akur, Akureyri. Um, sometimes referred to as the capital of North Iceland. When Skobrod... I am determined to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> when Skor... Skogarbod... Skogarbod? I can't say it. Everybody... Everybody... All the Scandinavians right now are laughing at me right now. Um, also known as, uh, the forest baths, so Skoga, oh, hang on, Skogarbold, we're just gonna say it like that, um, opens in February 2022 with views overlooking one of, of Iceland's longest fjords, I know how to say that, fjord, um, the spa unique the spa's unique position, surrounded by birch pine trees, um, provide shelter from the harsh winds and are known to cool down geothermal pools uh, with or in the winter time. And considering less than three percent of ice of the islands um, is covered with trees, it plans to make it the most verdant surroundings by encouraging guests guests to forest bathe as well as soak in a 500 square meter uh, natural geothermal lagoon with two pool bars. That's amazing. I want to go. Um, even the journey to the spa is part of the experience. A walk through the forest slowly reveals a wood-clad building set to into the mountainside, fireside, dining, and properties restaurant, which which has views over the bay and the town of Akureyri. Akuyiri, okay, uh, provides a picturesque epresoak uh, setting as well. How long is this article? <laughs> Uh, the hope is that the forest baths, which were made possible thanks to the discovery of a new hot spring while constructing a nearby tunnel, uh, will have a positive impact on the town and encourage tourists who would typically stop for um, only the one night and, uh, to stay longer. Icelandic architecture before the middle of the 19th century had to make use of Whatever local material was available at each location because there was uh, very little imported, says. Oh, okay. Here's another. Here's another name. Hirolfur Carl Sela, an architect um, and partner at Bas Basalt Architects, uh, which designed the forest baths. Uh, this is, or this way, uh, the architecture, uh, inevitably became of the land. It becomes part of the land. Striking a certain harmony with its surroundings. A lot has changed since Iceland's bathing traditions first took hold, but the one thing remains. The simple pleasure of soaking and socializing in nature's bathtubs. Uh, between dramatic waterfalls and charming seaside towns, you'll always find a swimming pool without having to look too far. And I love every bit of that. I, I need to be in Iceland. That's what I need. 
Okay, so now we're going to go to Finland. And um, I have talked about like um, how Denmark and how like the Danish people, they believe in the art of Haiga, which is just kind of like chilling for a little bit. You know, take a load off, do something intimate, like do something like read a book or do something simple. Um, and I really enjoyed that article. So we're going to read something a little bit similar, but this kind of centers around Finland. So uh, this comes from cntraveler.com. Um, I also read the Iceland article from there as well. And so we're just gonna, you know, read this one. So, five life tips from Finland, the happiest country in the world. Because we all could use a little advice right now by Caitlin Morton. Okay. My happiest moments from the past uh, year were spent in Finland, where I spent a cold, sunless week in Lapland um, back in November. The fresh air and breathtaking natural beauty sustained me for, or even after 3 p.m. sunsets, and I made it my mission to keep my blissful outdoorsy attitude going into 2020. And then the coronavirus happened. Outbreaks are stressful and according to the CDC they can worsen mental health conditions to very various degrees. Um, let's see. Uh, I've been keeping in touch with my family and having Zoom sessions with my therapist but part of me wishes I could simply hop on a plane to Finland. Um, Luckily for everyone struggling with the whole getting through the day without crying thing right now, Finland's tourism board has shared the country's top five tips for happiness, specifically when you're uh, stuck at home. And seeing how the United Nations World Happiness Report dubbed Finland the happiest country in the world for the third year in a row, we suggest you pay attention. So, take a deep breath and follow the steps for the Finnish style happiness um, until you can go on your next trip. So, one, start your day with a cold shower. Now, I love you, Finland, but I'm gonna have to say no on this one. Just because I get cold very easily, and I don't know, I shouldn't say no. But it's not something that I would immediately go to when I wake up in the morning. But maybe I should. You know, lately I've been kind of um, sluggish when I wake up. So maybe that would help me wake up. We'll try it tomorrow. See what happens. Anyway, you're probably aware of the sauna culture in most Nordic countries. But Finns in particular like to add a little ice to their fire. Winter swimming is an extremely popular activity in Finland. There are even spas that offer ice swimming, complete with stylish facilities with underwater lights to lower the fear threshold, but there are many citizens who still prefer to take the plunge the old-fashioned way, jumping into a freezing lake as soon as they wake up in the morning. The idea of uh, diving um, headfirst into dark waters uh, before the sun rises, um, even if it or if it rises at all, sounds like an acquired taste. But Finns swear they get a huge rush of happiness as soon as they are back on dry land and their circulation kicks in. Their uh, process, the process. <sighs> The process of your body warming up uh, goes hand in hand with the production of serotonin uh, with dopamine, aka serious mood boosting hormones. The easiest way to replicate this sensation at home is to take an ice cold shower for a couple of minutes first thing in the morning. The post shower sensations will be just like those experienced during winter swimming in Finland. You can also alternate cold to warm showers uh, to recreate that sauna feeling and get your mood circulating. Number two, read. Finns hold books close to their hearts. The 
United Nations named Finland the world's most literate nation in 2016, and its citizens continue to be avid public library users. Finland is a country of 5.5 million people, yet Finns borrow close to 68 million books in a year. Um, one of Finland's most popular uh, literary icons is Moomin, the white hippo-like character created by Finnish writer Tove Jansson in the 1940s. The Moomins have since become part of the country's identity. Finnier um, even shows Moomins to advertise their family-oriented travel services. Moomin books can be found in every uh, bookstore in and library in Finland and can also be ordered online. However, you can find literary happiness outside of uh, this one series, although it's hard to replicate that level of cuteness. Um, sitting down with a good book has become one of the most favorite coping mechanisms during this pandemic. Um, check out their list of the best travel books of all time, according to authors and editors. They, uh, any book on this list is more relaxing than scrolling through the news or social media, we guarantee it. So, three, visit a forest from your couch. From the sound of gently rustling leaves to calming effect of the color green, um, spending time among trees is one of the nicest things you can do for yourself. While the term forest bathing basically um, means being present in the forest through slow movements and a focus on the senses originated in Japan, the Finns have long believed that their souls are linked to the forest and its magical elements gonna have to disagree with you but I will say it is nice to walk like in a park with trees um, studies have proven that spending time in forests uh, can lower cortisol a primary stress hormone um, blood pressure and heart rates but even if you can't get to a grove of trees the at the present moment, you can easily uh, replicate the sensory part of the experience at home. Um, Visit Finland uh, has compiled the relaxing sounds of Finnish Lapland onto an album titled Scapes, which you can download on Spotify. Each of the tracks um, is between 7 and 8 minutes long. Uh, with sounds including singing birds in a forest, reindeer grazing in a field, and fire crackling in a cozy cabin to wind down after a day of work. Uh, Stretch out on your sofa, close your eyes, and add a sleep mask and take an imaginary trip to the Arctic wilderness. Four, bake some cinnamon buns. Okay, I can get with this though. (laughs) Have a nice coffee break. Um... Another beloved tradition in Finland is the coffee break, uh, which is much lovelier than the pre-lunch dash to Starbucks we're used to. That's what I mean when I say that um, the whole art of doing things yourself or making a coffee by yourself or even making pastries by yourself. Like America kind of takes the joy out of that. Because everything can be store-bought. Everything is made for you. And everything is made quickly. And everything's generic. And confectionerized. And I don't like it that much. Um, sometimes doing things in a wholesome way. And, and doing things by hand is, is good for the soul. <laughs> uh, Finns will take time out of their day to indulge in some strong coffee paired with a sweet treat. Uh, usually, Korva Putsi, I hope I said that right, uh, or cinnamon buns baked with a dash of cardamom. Um, 
then top with thick granules of pearl sugar. Practically every cafe in Helsinki bakes cinnamon buns every morning, uh, but making them yourself can be just as satisfying. Um, let's see. With sweet treats like this, it is, or is it any wonder that Finland is the happiest country in the world? Number five, take a virtual museum tour. Finland has a thriving contemporary art scene embracing with experimental il um, illustrations and conventional galleries and museums. There are more than 55 art museums scattered around the country's bigger cities, which is pretty impressive given Finland's sparse population. Uh, while the artwork here is fairly dynamic, much of it centers around the Finns' close relationship with nature. And just like winter swimming or forest bathing, citizens use art to calm the mind and alleviate stress. We certainly recommend you checking out some of Finland's coolest art museums in person one day, but in the meantime, there are some of the country's top institutions that are currently offering virtual tours and online experiences. Amos Rex, best for immersive illustrations and edgy architecture. Uh, Rovanemi Art Museum, best for cool um, sculptures and Lapland nature. Antonium Art Museum, best for classical art. I cannot forget Norway, who have been dedicated listeners since day one. Okay, I did not forget about you. I know this should like be in world news, but this is this is my section <laughs> of rogue news. I can do what I want. Um, but seriously, day. I love you very much. I love Norway very much. One of my favorite singers is from Norway. Alexander Rybik. Alexander Rybik. I, I don't know how to say his last name. He said Rybak one time. And I was like, whoa. I, I used to say Alexander Rybik. But it's Alexander Rybik. I'm like, okay. That's interesting. Let me stop babbling and let me get to the article. Let's go. 14 Bizarre and Fascinating Facts About Life in Norway You Probably Didn't Know. Let's see here. It's always fun to learn something new about different cultures and traditions. Yes, I'm in love with it at the moment. Um, to be it, or be it an exotic island with just a few inhabitants or a wealthy European country with over 5 million citizens... Uh, every part of the world has something new to bring to the table, and Norway is no exception. For instance, did you know that if uh, it weren't for Norwegians, we wouldn't have salmon or sushi? Dude, thank you. Thank you, Norway, for that. I love salmon. Um, or that a penguin named Nils Olav uh, is pre was presented the title of colonial or colonel-in-chief of the Norwegian Kingsguard by the king. Interesting. Turns out not only do the happiest and some of the richest people in Norway, um, but they have incredibly fascinating things about their everyday life that are uh, worth sharing with you all. For this uh, reason, we have this short list of slightly unusual and, but nonetheless, um, interesting facts about Nordic country. Also, if you are or we lucky enough to uh, reside in Norway, uh, don't hesitate to share facts about uh, bits about the country that you find interesting. Let's see. Number one. Uh, when someone publishes a new book in Norway and it passes quality control... Arts Council Norway buys 
uh, a thousand copies of it to distribute to libraries, um, or fifteen fifty copies of it if it's a children's book. Whoa! So it's easy to publish a book there. That's amazing. I'm going to Norway to publish all my books. Um, the idea is that it keeps many publishers alive and supports writers while they're still working and building their careers. In addition to its books, um, are, there are also e- exempted. They are also exempted from Norway's value-added tax. You're tax exempt from, dude. Babe, we're moving. I said we're moving to Norway. (laughs) Number two. Norway's oil fund is worth somewhere over one trillion dollars. However, the country only spends three percent of the fund a year because they are saving it for the next generation. That's amazing. Um, let's see. Number three. Svalbard is the only visa-free zone in the world. That means that anybody can live and work there um, indefinitely, no matter the country of citizenship. That's incredible, too. I love that. Um, The thing is, is that would you still be able to live there and also file for your citizenship there? I I need to know. Back in 2013... Oh, I'm sorry, number four. Uh, Back in 2013, former Prime Minister of Norway, Jen Stoltenberg, went incognito as a taxi driver in Oslo. According to him, he did it uh, so to hear from real Norwegian voters um, and taxis were one of the new places where people shared their true views. That was really cool. I like that. Dude. <laughs> um, number five. In Halden Prison, its guards are encouraged to interact with inmates by playing sports, eating, and doing other types of activities together. It is believed to prevent aggression from both sides and create a sense of family. Uh, while the prison is of maximum security, all of its 10 square meter cells have a flat screen TV, um, a toilet, and a shower, and fluffy towels. What? Really? What if they committed murder? Is that is that something that they still get? That's crazy. I mean, I get it because a lot of the time... Um, like when someone has been traumatized, I, I guess it would be the same way, especially in American prisons, because some some American prisons they don't even give them fluffy towels or anything like that. There's no TV at all. Um, they sometimes have to sleep on a sheet of metal, and they get one thin blanket and one pillow. And I can understand like the aggression because. Um, if they don't have, like, the the luxuries of comfort, they won't be able to, like, socialize very well, uh, with other people, and they, it might make the criminal even worse. I'm on the fence about this, but it's interesting, uh, nonetheless. Number six. In Norway, people use the term Texas as slang for crazy <laughs> according to um Daniel Gusfrey Ims um the head of the advisory service at the language council of Norway it became part of the language when people started watching cowboy films and reading such literature the genre was extremely popular in Norway and a lot of it featured Texas, so the word became a symbol of something lawless and without control. Okay. 
Let's see, number seven. The income and wealth of all Norway's residents are on the public record. The idea behind the concept is that tax evasion becomes much more difficult to achieve this way. Um, someone who records a low income uh, but drives an expensive car becomes suspicious to authorities. I, I get that. Let's see. Number eight. Norwegians are crazy about tacos. <laughs> Um, even though they introduced, only introduced to the country in the 90s, the dish quickly became extremely popular and um, appreciated by Norwegians. In fact, um, it became so popular that even Taco Fridays became something to celebrate each week. Number nine. Um, Norway has one of the world's strictest advertising guidelines of as of 2007. In the same year, Norway's consumer um, ombudsman targeted automakers who made claims that their cars were green and clean or environmentally friendly. Cars cannot do anything good for the environment except less um, damage than others. Brente. Okay. Um, Bente Ovriarli, I don't need a senior uh, official at the office of this state-run consumer ombudsman told the media. What? It's over here. I had to use it. You come get it. I needed to use it, and I didn't want to wake you up. Nope. Here, you put you put it in. Right in, right there. No, nope. right <laughs> there. Right. Cry, baby. Anyway, <laughs> the guidelines distributed to car makers said we. Asked that phrases such as environmentally friendly, green, clean, and environmentally car natural or similar depictions not be used in the marketing of cars. And yeah, I agree. Number 10. Slow TV or um, a long coverage of seemingly mundane and ordinary events is quite popular in Norway. Um, the national broadcaster NRK has regularly shown programs or documentaries such as a 376-year-old boat voyage, 60 hours of choir singing, and 12 hours of knitting. What? The first um, slow TV show was the program Bergen's... Bergen's Benin minute-by-minute train journey across southern Norway, uh, which showed a seven-hour train journey from uh, Bergen to Oslo. It was aired back in 2009. They have something like that on um, YouTube now. I kind of watch it sometimes, so I get I get the aesthetic. All right. Oh, 11. For tax purposes... Uh, stripping counts as an art form. Oh, okay. Well, I disagree with that, but, I mean, you do what you do. Um, a Norwegian appeals to court as, uh, ruled that striptease is an art form and could therefore be exempt from value-added tax. Interesting. Number 12. Due to the popular... Due to the polar bear threat in Svalbard, an island um, 2,030 kilometers north of Oslo, anyone traveling outside the settlements must be equipped with appropriate means of uh, frightening and chasing off polar bears. The governor of the island uh, recommends people to carry firearms with them. Okay. 
Norwegians, oh, that was number 13, um, have a car. Give me a second. Um, Norwegians used to have a car brand named Troll. Um, only by only five cars were ever made by Troll, um, though, which are all in car museums. The Troll was in production between 1956 and 1958, and was made in a factory in Lunde, Telemark. Number 14. Norway, uh, Easter is sometimes preferred or referred to as, um, Paskekrim. Paskekrim. Easter crime. During the holiday, almost everyone uh, reads crime novels, watches true crime shows, and reads special crime-related literary supplements in the Norwegian newspapers. Why? The tradition began when two young Norwegian authors... Uh, Nordhall Grigg and Nils Lie came up with an idea to write a crime bestseller. Uh, together with their publisher on the Sunday before Easter, they launched an advertising campaign with the book's uh, title, Bergen Train Looted in the Night. Uh, got the top spot um, on the front page. The realistic ad, which many confused with real robbery, um, received an overwhelming amount of attention and the novel became a huge success. Many consider this novel to be the first Easter crime and the very origin of the tradition. Okay. Oh, and that's it. That's, that was pretty cool though. Unfortunately, uh, world news is going to have to wait for another day. So thank you guys for listening, and I will see you in the trenches next time. Bye!